Psalm 85, we see from our superscription that this too is one of the Psalms of the sons of Korah. Uh, several of these, starting in 84, uh, these next few that we're going to look at are, are, uh, with, are, are attributed to the sons of Korah in some way uh, here in these superscriptions. We don't know exactly who the writer of Psalm 84 or Psalm 85 is. Some have suggested that it is David, and it certainly could be. Uh, it could have been somebody else. It's hard to know. It's also hard to know exactly the time frame. The book of Psalms stretches about a thousand years, and so uh, there are many people that wrote these Psalms over a long period of time. And so uh, while they were compiled after all of them were written, some of them it's hard to know exactly what time period they fit into simply because, well, there were many times in Israel's history or in David's life that some of these psalms would have fit because Israel had, had kind of a real similar pattern of following God a little bit for a while and then being disobedient and God delivering them in ups and downs and, and being handed over to their enemies and then they would call back on God and God would deliver them from their enemies. And that's kind of the history of Israel. And so, quite frankly, some of these psalms, like this one here, the language that we see, it's hard to know exactly when it applied, but what we need to remember is that it's still applicable to us today because we have the same ups and downs. The Whatever the situation may have been for the original audience that was writing this, it's similar to probably to many of the situations that you and I experience today. So we don't necessarily need to know who wrote it or even what was going on at the time, but we can see by the Word of God that it can speak to us. It's the living Word of God. And so probably many of us can relate to the things that are being said here. We need this encouragement. We need this restoration that's spoken of in Psalm 85. So let's read through the text, and then we'll pray, and then we'll talk about it. Psalm 85, verse 1. Lord, you showed favor to your land. You restored Jacob's prosperity. You took away your people's guilt. You covered all their sin, Selah. You withdrew all your fury. You turned from your burning anger. Return to us, God of our salvation, and abandon your displeasure with us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger for all generations? Will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your faithful love, Lord, and give us your salvation. I will listen to what God will say. Surely the Lord will declare peace to his people, his godly ones, and not let them go back to foolish ways. His salvation is very near those who fear him, so that glory may dwell in our land. Faithful love and truth will join together. Righteousness and peace will embrace. Truth will spring up from the earth and righteousness will look down from heaven. Also, the Lord will provide what is good, and our land will yield its crops. Righteousness will go before him to prepare the way for his steps. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight, and perhaps there are some in this room or some listening online that need this type of restoration tonight. Dear Lord, whatever has gotten us to our place of despair, dear Lord, we need to realize that it is only you that can be our hope, that can be our deliverance, that can be our salvation. So God, may you revive us tonight. May, be, may these words be an encouragement to us tonight. Dear Lord, may you hide me behind the cross. May you 
be glorified in all that is said and done here tonight through your word. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Whatever the, the, the situation of the audience, of the writer of this psalm is, perhaps we can relate to what is going on here. There is a time that, that this group of people, and through their sin it appears, have, have, have distanced themselves from God's presence. They have distanced themselves from a relationship with God. But here we see this idea of restoration. We see this prayer of God be with us, God don't be angry with us. But also it's, it's a praise in that it appears as though this restoration has already begun. Lord, you showed favor to your land. You restored Jacob's prosperity. You took away your people's guilt. You covered all their sin. So whatever the sin was of the writer of this and the people of God in this instance, there's an acknowledgement that God has restored them back to a better place. Now, in this instance, there's some sin that appears to go on, and that sometimes is the case with us. When we are in the presence of God and we are seeking God and we are listening to God and living for God, there is a peace and a joy and a happiness that is in our life. But when we begin to sin, we find ourselves perhaps in a place like the people of this psalm do, in a place where we are not experiencing the favor of God and experiencing the peace of God. And hopefully when we get to that place, we realize where we are and we realize where we need to be, and we begin to long for God, and we begin to seek God, and we begin to pray out to God. And what did God do here? God began to restore these people. It says you took away your people's guilt. You covered their sin. You began to restore their prosperity. You brought them back to a good place. Now, maybe quite literally, this is, was written at the time of, of, of God's people's captivity when they were taken into Babylon and they didn't have anything, and God restored them to their land, and he brought back prosperity to them. Perhaps that's the occasion. Perhaps there's another occasion in their past, many of Israel's occasions. Perhaps it's an occasion in David's life. Whatever the occasion is, we have had occasions where our sin has gotten us to a place that we do not need to be. But what we need to be reminded of tonight is it is only God who can bring us back from that place. It is only God who can forgive us and who can restore us. However, it's also important to note that there are times in our life where we need our prosperity and our joy restored to us, and perhaps it's not because of a sin in our life. Take the story of Job, for instance. Perhaps that's a story we need to revisit and discuss more than we do. Here was Job, who was a righteous man, a man of integrity, and, and Job experienced all these hardships in his life. And it wasn't because God was punishing him. It wasn't because Job was a sinful man. Certainly there was some sin in Job's life. But in the case of Job, God was using these experiences in which the devil wanted to completely destroy Job. And God said, no, look at this man. He is faithful. And through it all, God was able to restore Job but only after Job had suffered greatly. But the great thing about when God restores, the restoration place that God brings us to after restoration is greater than the place in where we started. Now, in Job, he lost everything. He suffered greatly. And some of us can relate to that. There are times in life that we lose everything. We lose someone close to us. We lose our job. 
Maybe we, we lose all of that. We lose someone close to us. We lose our job. We lose all of our savings. Whatever it may be, there are times in life that we feel like Job felt. But here's the thing. It wasn't punishment in Job's life. It was a way that God could work in his life and draw Job closer to him. And ultimately, at the end of the story, what did God do? He restored Job's prosperity far greater than anything Job had before. And so whatever the reason for our for our troubles may be, perhaps they have been brought on to by ourselves with our sin, or perhaps it's simply just life. Whatever causes us to be in a place where we feel the weight and the burden of what's going on around us, it is in those times that we need this restoration that's being spoken of here in Psalm 85. Verse 3, you withdrew all your fury, you turned from your burning anger. Return to us, God of our salvation, and abandon your displeasure with us. Now, God is a gracious God, praise the Lord. We see God's grace in Scripture. We know that God is gracious, and we thank the Lord that God is gracious, and we talk about the graciousness of God. But here's something that's important for us to realize in this passage, and here we see it at the end of verse 4, that God had displeasure with them. The writer says here, God abandoned your displeasure with us. Now, God is gracious, but perhaps if we are honest, there are times in our life that we are doing things and living in a way that God takes no pleasure in. And so we need to perhaps examine our life and say, God, am I living in a way that, 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 that you are pleased with or are the things that I'm doing, God, bringing displeasure to you? And that's what the, the audience here acknowledged. They said, hey, we are in this shape. We have been living in a way, God, that does not please you. And so what is their prayer? God, abandon your displeasure with us. And what do they say in the next verse? Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger for all generations? Will you not revive us again? Isn't that a beautiful thing? They acknowledge that they are sinful, but they also acknowledge the grace and the mercy of God. God, we have done things that are displeasing to you. God, you have been angry with us for a little while, but God, we know your goodness and your mercy, and you will not be angry with us forever. You will revive us again. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That's a beautiful song we sing, and we... We have what we would call revival once a year, and it is a reviving time, hopefully, if we seek God and we come and we listen to the Word of God and we, and we praise Him in that time. Hopefully, we are revived, but there are likely many times throughout our years and our weeks or our days even, perhaps, <clears throat> many times throughout even a single day that perhaps there is revival that needs to take place. And where does the psalmist say that revival comes from? It comes from the Lord. Perhaps God is angry with some of us today. Perhaps there are things that we have done and said and a way in which we have lived in which we simply need to repent tonight. Perhaps we need to acknowledge it in the same way that the psalmist did and say, okay, God, I come to you because of your grace, not because of what I have done, because, God, I have sinned against you. I have sinned greatly. But, God, your grace is good, and I need you to revive me today. Verse 7. Show us your faithful love, Lord, and give us your salvation. I will listen to what God will say. Surely the Lord will declare peace to his people, his godly ones, and not let them go back to foolish ways. Now, isn't that a beautiful thing that's said there in verse 8? 
I will listen to what God will say. And what is the result is that, of that? I will listen to what God will say, and He will not let us go back in our foolish ways. Now, if we listen to what God says, He will guide us on the paths to wisdom to make good decisions and to do things that are right and good so that we can be those men and women of God that live with integrity and follow the commands of God if we listen to what God says. But if we do not listen to what God says, we will continue on in our foolish ways. And the foolish ways that we, that we have are oftentimes what get us into some of the predicaments that we are in. That's what the psalmist is acknowledging here. God, we have been foolish, and it's caused you to be angry with us. But what does he say now? God, I'm ready to listen to you. Now, the question we must ask ourselves is, are we ready to listen to God? In those areas where we struggle, in those areas where there's sin, in those areas where there's temptation, in those areas where God is trying to guide us to make the right decision and something going on in our life or something going on at our job or something going on at our church or whatever it may be that God is trying to guide us in in our life, are we listening to what God says? Because when we listen to God, when we listen to what He says, it will keep us from doing things that are foolish. But when we don't listen to what God says, we better look out because that foolishness is right around the corner. And I suspect that if we took a few minutes tonight, we could all probably give three or four good examples very quickly of times that we listen to ourselves and not God and it got us into some bad, foolish situations. But what's the solution to that? Listen to what God says. Verse 9. His salvation is very near those who fear Him. His salvation is near those who fear Him. Now those who don't fear God, those who don't respect God, those who don't care about the Word of God, those who don't listen to what God says, there is no salvation. Salvation is to be saved, to be delivered, to be redeemed. And that comes through Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. And so when we accept the Word of God and that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that the only way that we are saved or receive salvation is through Jesus Christ, then what a blessed day that is. When we fear God and keep His commands, as the Scripture says, that is a good day. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if we listen to the Word of God and we fear God, we will find wisdom. If we don't listen to the Word of God, then we will find foolishness. But what does it say here? His salvation is very near those who fear Him. So the question we must ask ourselves tonight is, do we fear God? Do we fear the Word of God, the Creator of the heavens and the earth, the One who spoke all things into existence, the One who will one day judge all things, and we will stand before Him for all of eternity? Is that a God that we fear tonight or not? If we fear God then we will keep His commands. And those who do not fear God do not keep His commands. His salvation is very near to those who fear Him. If we don't feel the, fearness of, of, if, if we're, if we don't feel the fear of God in our life today, it may be because we don't fear Him. If we don't feel salvation, if we don't feel the nearness of God, it may be that we don't fear God and we're not living for God and we're living for the world. But perhaps today our prayer needs to be, God, I repent. I'm no longer going to live in foolishness, but God, I fear you and I seek you and I pray that you would restore me and revive me. 
And as the psalm continues, what's the language that's used there? It's language of, of, of faithful love, truth, righteousness, peace. All of these things, these are the things that accompany our relationship with God. When we walk with God, when we seek God, when we are in the presence of God, we feel His peace, we feel His love, we feel His joy. And if we don't feel His peace and His love and joy tonight, then it may be that we are not walking with Him. Or perhaps if you are His and you've put faith in Jesus Christ, it may simply be that you need to repent today. But what the psalmist has discovered here is a good place. It's a place of restoration. It's a place of revival. And that restoration and revival comes for us tonight only through Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. What's the result of finding that restoration and revival in our life? It is rejoicing in the Lord. So let us not be those tonight who are overcome with sin. Let us not be those tonight who don't listen to God. But let us be those who listen to God, who walk according to His ways, and who rejoice in His salvation. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you, and I pray that you'd be with us tonight. Perhaps there are some in this room that are in a season of despair, dear Lord. It may very well be because of sin in our lives. God, it might just be, it might just be life, dear Lord. It might just be that some in here are in a season of despair similar to Job, dear Lord. And it's not that you're trying to break their will, dear Lord, but you are, you are growing their trust in you. So, dear Lord, if our sin has brought us into a season of despair tonight, then let us repent of that. Let us call out to you just as the psalmist does here tonight. But, God, if it's just, if it's just life that's, that's hitting us hard tonight, then let us just hold on, dear Lord, to know that you desire to restore us and to be with us and to make us better, dear Lord. And I don't know what better looks like. God, we have our ideas of what better looks like, but, dear Lord... Sometimes what you know is better for us is not what we think is better for us. So let us just hold on, dear Lord, to know that when all is said and done, you, you will do what is best for your children. But in the meantime, God, we need your strength. We need you to, to comfort us. We need you to guide us. We need you to speak to us through your word, through the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that when you speak, that we would listen, that we would follow you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.